It's Robin Marshall, America's number one sugar mom. I've got a story. Well, I've got a couple. I took a trip into Charlotte to visit with my kids and more specifically to be with my eldest daughter, who was about to undergo a double mastectomy following 16 rounds of chemo. This kid's been through the mill. She's just turned 30 on Christmas, my little Christmas baby. And uh, I was there throughout that surgery, but prior to the surgery, and I am not making light of her situation, but I wanted you to know my mindset as I landed in Charlotte before I get to the surgery. I decided to take my dogs and use them as emotional support pets because I was emotionally distraught over the fact that I have lab work coming up soon because I'm an ongoing ovarian cancer patient. And at the same time, more importantly, I couldn't wipe the cancer out of my daughter's body and put it in mine. And I was about to be a part of this major surgery in her life with fingers crossed, legs, toes, anything I could for her to get through this operation, have it be speedy and less painful than we were all anticipating. I walk on with these two little six-pound chewinis in a carry case, which I feel is the respectful thing to do when getting on a plane. I have paperwork. It's, it's already been put through the system. I'm in an aisle seat, so I put the case down on the chair, and I stand behind my seat waiting for the other two passengers to show up so I can then sit down, take them out of the cage, put them on my lap. Well, one of them is like out of his mind at this point. I don't know what got into him, but he is nonstop barking. And he's got this bark that sounds like he's a pig or a turkey or something. It's the kind of bark that makes everybody turn and stare. What was that? And I'm sort of nudging the cage and I'm shifting it and I'm threatening him in whispers and I put a blanket over him to try and, you know, mute the sound. And before you know it, everybody finally shows up in my row. I sit down, I put the cage on the ground, and I am about to open and unzip it so that they can jump on my lap because people are still milling into the plane. And the next thing I see is this TSA agent come huffing and puffing down the aisle, gets to me puts her hand on my arm and says to me, you come with me, grab your stuff, you're leaving the plane. I looked at her like she had 15 heads, like you have got to be kidding me. And I said to her, why? She says, these are captain's orders. Your dogs are disruptive to the rest of the passengers. I said to her, we haven't even finished loading this plane. I said, of course the dogs are disruptive. As soon as I take them out of the cage, they'll be quiet. She says, grab your things. You're coming with me. And she yanks my arm again. I got up. I pushed past her. There were two other flight attendants right behind her. I looked at them both and I said, I am going to talk to the captain. And the TSA agent reached for me again. I shook her off of me, left all my things, including my purse, everything, because I know they can't touch my things. And I walked up to the front of the plane and the captain was standing at the door. And I said to him, I need to have a conversation. And he just looks at me. I said to him, these dogs are emotional support dogs. I have brought them with me because my daughter is about to have a double mastectomy 
She's requested the dogs. I'm an ovarian cancer patient, and I don't appreciate the way this has been handled. Why wouldn't you just ask your flight attendant to ask me a question instead of sending a bulldog down the lane to grab me out of my seat? What the hell is this? I said, when I sit back down in my seat, which I will, those dogs will be sitting on my lap and you'll never hear another word. And he has the nerve to say to me, can you guarantee that? I said to him, it doesn't matter. I paid for that seat. I cleared my dogs. I'm going to sit down. I walked away from the captain. There is nothing in the world that would have kept me from flying home to see my kid while she's going through this particular surgery. How dare him? What happened to communication? I walk past the TSA agent, both flight attendants. I sit down. I look at him. He nods to the TSA agent to leave the plane. I take the dogs out, put them on my lap, where they proceeded to lay their little heads down on my arm and say not another yip-yap or yelp. One of the flight attendants came to me and apologized. I said to her, you know, she was awfully rude. I was still shaking. I was so upset. She said to me, well, if there's anything I could do to make it up to you, she says, how about if I give you some points? Like points are going to make me feel more human. I was so degraded and humiliated by the whole situation, and my dogs were put in such a state that I didn't even know what to say to her. I just ignored her. I looked straight ahead. She came back to me again, told me she put 3,500 points in my account. I just, I, I couldn't even say thank you. I was still in a state of shock. Next, the other flight attendant comes to me to look inside the bin above my seat. And as she does so, she pushes herself against my dogs. Well, one of them, the crazy one, barks at her. And she looks down, stops in mid-form with her arms up in the air and says to me, Oh, well, we can't have that now, can we? I said, well, if you wouldn't be pushing and leaning against them, it wouldn't have happened. Back up. She says to me, this is my job. I said, well, my job is to protect my dogs. The next thing I hear, the other flight attendant who offered me the points comes up to me and whispers, does your dog bite? I said, of course not. She says, well, my coworker suggested the dog tried to bite her. I said, that is ridiculous. What is this, a witch hunt? I mean, the only thing that saved my ass is the fact that we were in the air already. The entire flight, they were quiet. The other flight attendant gave me drinks on the house, cookies for the dogs. It took me a good hour to just calm myself down. And then as we landed, I packed everyone up. No episode, no situation, no mess, no nothing. I get to the front of the plane. I put my bag down to the right and I said, I'd like to speak with the captain. And I just saw him in the cockpit. Flight attendant says, I don't know if he's still here. I said, I just saw him. Have him come out and speak with me. So he comes out. I say to him, look, I hope you take this as some kind of a lesson for the future. I said, if you have something to say to one of your passengers, instead of grabbing a TSA agent who probably hasn't gotten a paycheck in three weeks, who's already got a chip on her shoulder, 
why not go directly to your staff and have them go directly to the passenger so that we have some form of communication? That's what people do. We talk to each other. We try to reason. It's not that difficult. They're little dogs. That's all you had to do instead of throwing this woman down the road to grab me and pull me off a plane, as all of us on this flight have seen in the news. And your airline is the biggest culprit. He says to me, you have my most sincere apology. He said, it's duly noted, and I do know for next time the proper procedure and what I should have done instead. And he held out his hand for me to shake it, which I did. And, you know, I should have had great satisfaction from that, but I was so pent up with everything going on in my life that I just couldn't forgive him 100% because now I'm leaving one terrible situation and I'm rushing to the crime scene, which is my daughter about to have surgery. Oh, wow. Of all of my children, she is the one who picked me up. (laughs) As if she doesn't have enough on her mind, I unloaded the story, told her everything, took her mind off of her own situation for a little while, proceeded to the next day where I spent the entire day in the hospital with her while she was under anesthesia, having her mastectomies done, not knowing if she was okay, not knowing what the outcome would be, what the tumors would hold. Oh, God, there are no words to describe what it feels like when your own child is being cut into for a monster that you've already lived through in a different part of your own body. So you really don't know what the procedure is. You can only imagine the worst and hope for the best. Finally, a nurse comes out and tells us she's fine. They're giving her a break and they're going to start the reconstructive surgery And we should rest and we should feel secure that she's going to be okay. The surgeon came to talk to us, explaining he saw nothing in the lymph node, no cancer. Everything was removed. She should be good to go for the plastic surgeon and all is well. And her fiancé and I nearly collapsed in our chairs with relief. After the reconstructive surgery was over, We waited another couple hours for her to be taken to her room. She looked like hell. I've never seen my daughter so pale, with dark circles under her eyes, fading in and out. I had to remind myself, this girl just had major surgery. Don't be afraid. Don't let her see fear on your face. She finally came around a little bit. We spent some time with her. The rest of the family showed up at that point, and I left around 7 o'clock at night. The next few days were pretty much a blur, but I spent almost all my time with her helping to do whatever I could possibly do, helping her fiancé lift her up off the couch to get into the bathroom, the normal things you do for someone that has just had surgery. But she was elated that the lymph node was cancer-free, and that's what pulled her through, and that's what lit her face up, and that's what kept the smile in place and allowed us to help her to recover even more quickly. She and I are going on a cruise in February, so she's got something big to look forward to and something to recuperate for quickly so that she can enjoy herself. The flight home, it's like night and day. I boarded. I learned my lesson, sat by the window, 
immediately, waited a few minutes, took the dogs out, put them on my lap. The flight wasn't full, and I was the only one in a row of three. I took a blanket, put it down on the seat beside me, wrapped the dogs up. They slept the whole way. What kind of responses did I receive from each flight attendant? Oh, my God, they're perfect. I can't believe how well-behaved you are so lucky to have them. And I'm thinking to myself, if you had only seen your counterparts on the way here. And again, the flight attendant offers me alcohol, no charge. Consider it your birthday, girlfriend. <laughs> Night and freaking day. I left the plane. I went to the baggage claim area, grabbed my bag, called a lift to come pick me up. And as I'm walking out the door of the airport, a guy stops me and says, hey, uh, do you need a ride? I'm an Uber driver. And I thought to myself, well, wow. I mean, this way I don't have to wait for the lift. I said, yeah, sure. And in the back of my head, I'm thinking my kids would kill me if they knew that I did this because he could be some rapist or killer or whatever. But he's standing right there in the airport. And sometimes you just have to go with your gut. So I said, yeah, if I can cancel this lift, I'd be happy to take you up on it. So I cancel the lift. He takes me to his car, which looks like everybody else's car. We get in and I had checked the price. It was like $28, $29 to get from the airport to my house. And we're driving and we're talking and we're comparing notes about the day and what he has been doing for all these years. He's been a private driver and blah, blah, blah. We pull up to my house. My suitcase is in the trunk. The dogs are beside me in their cage. I went to get out of the car and then I realized, he says, ma'am, do you mind taking care of the bill? Normally, it goes directly through your system via your phone. And I forgot that I had done this manually and not through my iPhone. So I said, sure. So I pull out my card and he shows me the iPhone that he uses that has the bill and the dollar amount. And it's $65. I said to him, what? How is that possible? It was $28 from the airport when I chose Lyft. Why would Uber be more than two times as much? He says, well, ma'am, I'm Uber Select. I said, well, you didn't tell me that. You weren't forthcoming with that information. How would I have known that? So we both sat there and said nothing. And I said, I'm not paying it. He says, ma'am, that is the dollar amount. I work for Uber and that's what you need to pay. Silence again. And now I have just about reached that point where I know I'm going to explode. It's just been too much. I know myself. I said to him, are you not going to give me my suitcase out of the trunk? He said, not unless you pay the dollar amount. I said, you do know that you were not forthcoming. You did not tell me that this was Uber Select, that you have done the wrong thing by your customer. You have misled me while watching me cancel my Lyft ride. And you think this is okay? He says, ma'am. I've done nothing but drive you respectfully, offered you a ride. And yeah, maybe I should have told you it was Uber Select. I said, yeah, maybe you're goddamn right. You should have because I would have said no. I said, now open the trunk and let me get my bag. Well, he says, we have to figure out a number. I said, I'll pay you what I was going to pay the Lyft driver. $28 plus a 20% tip. 
He says, you need to come closer to my number. I sat there in silence. I finally said, I'm calling the police. He sighs. He says, all right. Gets my suitcase out of the trunk. I gave him $34, which is less than 20% because I was so freaking pissed at him. I got out of the car, took my dogs, took my bag and left. Walked in my house. And honestly, I still didn't feel like it was home. Wow. I walked into an empty house that was mine, but it did not feel warm. And now (laughs) that leads me to what my plans are for this year to get the hell out of Dodge. I am going to leave Dallas. I'm going to find some place that makes me feel welcome. I'm going to make sure my kid is okay. I'm going to take care of me. These are my forever resolutions. Not New Year's resolutions. I don't believe in that stuff. If I say I'm going to do something to make myself and the people I love feel better, I am going to do that. Five days came and went. I'm back in Dallas. I got a call last night from my daughter. Her surgeon called her saying they found cancer in another one of her lymph nodes. They're having a surgical conference on Friday to determine whether she needs radiation or whether they want to go back in and do surgery to remove that lymph node completely. She feels like she's just been punched in the face again. And I don't blame her. My God, how much can a 29 just turning 30 young woman have to go through in order to see the light? I'm so hurt on behalf of my kid. And I know there's nothing I can do but keep her spirits up and try to have her see the light at the end of the tunnel. Have her hold on to the cruise that we will go on no matter what. And now I sit and I wait for Friday. And then Friday blends into Saturday, Sunday, Monday, which is when we hear back from her surgeon as to what the procedure is going to be to heal and cure my daughter. I've still not unpacked my suitcase I mean, it's straddled all over my bedroom floor. I can't focus. I'm really having trouble not knowing where I belong. I can't keep flying back and forth. I was there for Thanksgiving, for Christmas, a week later for her surgery. I've got to give myself a little bit of a break. It's very hard to do. I've got my labs coming up February 7th to make sure I'm still in remission. And I've selfishly got to take care of myself just a little bit. I've gone out on dates over the last month or so. I can't relate to pretty much anything anybody says. I try. I put on a good front. Nobody ever knows. But there's nothing I'm feeling. I'm feeling dead inside. I'm just on overload. I don't know how to bring myself back to reality, back to normalcy. I don't know where I went. I'm somewhere deep in there, and I'm trying to bring myself forward. I'm trying to come out of my own mouth. I'm trying to bring the words to fruition that will bring Robin back. How does somebody get lost inside of themselves? It's like there's a thin cord that's gone down the back of my throat wrapped around my heart, and I've got to try and figure out a way to unravel it, pull it back through so that I can breathe again. 
it would help if I had a counterpart, a man, somebody I could believe in and feel something for. But I don't think anybody really stands a chance with me right now. I keep trying, but it's just not fair to them. So I go out on my own by myself. I look around. I watch other people. I remember. I hope. That's one thing I've not lost, is hope. We'll see. I guess time will tell. I continue to pray for strength, that I can see her through this and not let her catch on to my incredulity, my disbelief, my pain and suffering inside while watching what she's going through. I have proven to her that I am a strong survivor. I am a cancer survivor. I have survived more than cancer. I have survived horrible relationships. She's seen them all, and she knows I pick myself up and dust myself off, and I need her to pull from those strengths that she inherited from me and just keep on fighting. Nobody deserves this. I don't care how bad a person you are. No one deserves to live through this roller coaster ride of cancer and no answers and the unknown and the disbelief. It's foot stomping, not fair. Say a little prayer for her, if you don't mind. Please let me know if you enjoy me sharing my life with you. Leave me a note on the podcast platform if, if you would be so kind. It makes me feel good to know you're there, and that's one way to show me. Maybe leave a star or two or three. Gold stars are like the stars our moms used to put on our charts that were on the back of our bedroom doors if we'd clean our rooms. <laughs> Truly, it helps. Little things help right now. Not big, monstrous things that hit you in the face that are brilliantly wonderful because I just don't think I can handle that brilliance. The little things are the things that make me feel uplifted and filled with potential and hope. If ever you want to reach out to me, Robin Marshall Sugar Mom at gmail.com is the place to find me. Also, feel free to check out my website, sugarmom.net. It's just another avenue for you to be able to reach out to me and have some fun while you're there. Maybe take the Sugar Mom quiz. <laughs> you never know. And please do subscribe to my podcast, Sugar Mom by Robin Marshall. Oh, I'll talk to you next week. And I'm sorry I'm late this week. Everything is mishmash. The days blend together. I don't know when Tuesday is. I don't even know when the freaking weekend rolls around. But I know, as my friend, you understand. It's Robin Marshall, Sugar Mom.